Support for Always Sunny in Chief's Kingdom is brought to you as always by Manscaped for all your male grooming needs. We want to say thank you to our listeners who continue to support the podcast by shopping online at manscaped.com and getting 20% off your entire order with the promo code SUNNYNKC. You guys have helped us fund this podcast and keep bringing you guys Chiefs content every week, so we appreciate that. You already know about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man with patented skin safe technology that makes getting nicked a thing of the past. But they also have a nice nail kit called the Shears 2.0, which has tempered stainless steel tools, including slash tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. I'm a personal believer in these products, and if you're frustrated with your electric razors running out of batteries, becoming dull, catching your skin, you owe it to yourself to try out Manscaped. Just remember to use promo code SUNNYNKC to get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped, take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. I mean, it was everyone but Mike Trout and Jose Altuve. Everyone else was a royal. It was dumb. Yeah, Jose Altuve. That's that's aged well. The Mike Trout <laughs> one still looks like a pretty good pick, but you know, old old trash can Altuve. And Omar was leading for like the the majority of that summer. I mean, they Altuve had a big push at the end just to kick Omar out, and Omar was probably the worst hitter in baseball that year. Yeah, I mean, the Altuve catching up kind of at the end, That's that's that was some serious voter fraud for sure. They, <laughs> they like uh, found a whole vault of Altuve ballots like right. the day before the All-Star game to oust <laughs> the rightful winner of the vote, Omar Infante. Just an embarrassment, honestly, across the board. And that AL team with seven Royal starters ended up winning that All-Star game. Yeah, by a lot. And all the Royals totally kicked ass. It was great. Yeah. And and then it gave the Royals the World Series home field advantage, didn't it? Isn't and then wasn't that still tied to that? Series. That's that's exactly that's exactly it. That's exactly how it all played out. And Ned Yost was the manager because he was yeah. the AL. Yeah. He was representative the AL representative of the previous year. I mean, it just was a Man, back to simpler times, 2015, we were on the eve of another election, and it just, uh, it was uh, it was a magical time. That was an election that I will always remember. This is my first year as a prosecutor, and I remember getting emails uh, at the time that, you know, people would, like, sign their professional emails. It's like, hey, you know, we <laughs> offer my guy probation, and by the way, hashtag <laughs> vote loose. Like, you know, this is, this is serious business. It was, it was a serious time. That's so good. I remember it was just such a cool sight to see. That was when like, I felt like Kansas city sports were a, like a huge deal for the first time in a, a long time, really when, cause the Royals were the best team in the AL, which hadn't happened in my lifetime. And the entire starting team was the starting all-star team. I know it was kind of a gimmicky you know, we, we kind of voted them all in strangely, but it was still so it was gimmicky, but but it was awesome. <laughs> we were on the map. Listen, that was the power of the Midwest, middle America. We have the power to shape elections, Taylor, and uh, we made our vote heard. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. It is the first week of November. We have cleared eight weeks of NFL play. We are on to week nine. Taylor, how's it going? It's been quite the week. Um, I'm sure anyone who's, you know, plugged into the government election stuff, we're not really going to get too much into that. Uh, but it's yeah, check been, out our Twitter for tumultuous. political takes, you know. Yeah, you know. It's, it's been a crazy week. It has been a crazy week. We're recording this on Wednesday. By the time you listen to this on Friday, hopefully we'll have picked a president of the United States. We have a, a goofy system. It's not anywhere nearly as sophisticated as the MLB All-Star voting, which got us you know, results instantaneously online with uh, no trickery whatsoever, <laughs> just only legitimate results. So I don't know. Maybe we need to talk to Rob Manfred about implementing that system. What do we got on tap this week? We've got the Jets game that we have to recap. So, you know, we we previewed that last week, such as it was. Uh, 
lots to talk about from that game though and and just a fun game you know we'll talk about that we've got a little bit of uh mailbag stuff we're going to talk about what is happening that's our uh you know just kind of our around the nfl kind of segment and then we'll preview the uh panthers game coming up and then we got a bye week after that so just to put this on tap put it on your radar we're going to try and do a big mailbag segment during our bye week either after the panthers game leading into the game after the bye which is the raiders Kind of somewhere in there, we're going to try and do a little mailbag show, get caught up on our mailbag questions, kind of do, you know, it'll be more of an off-season feel back when we had to kind of create content. So let's talk about this Jets game. Yes, let's. It was, uh, you know, going into it, it's interesting as the big favorites and and huge favorites, Chiefs 19.5 to 20 point, um, you know, favorites in most books. Um, you kind of expect an ass kicking right away, at least. I, I know I certainly did. And uh, it the the Chiefs offense did their part to start off and scored a touchdown right off the bat. 30-yard little uh, touch pass to McCole Hardman who took it to the house. That was a nice little start for him. He's had two, uh, two weeks in a row where the opening drive, they've really looked to get him going. And that was key. And But the, the Jets kind of hung around for a little bit, a little bit longer than I thought they would. Yeah, I mean, this was a the first half of this game. The Chiefs, uh, you know, the Chiefs misfired a little bit on offense. Obviously, they had a very effective first drive of the game, went down and scored. The Jets didn't punt in the first half, which is kind of hilarious and yeah. ridiculous. Um, they were moving the ball, and you know, I don't know if uh, any of the guys came out after the game and kind of specifically mentioned this, but obviously we're still in a pandemic season. We're still dealing with uh, small capacity crowds at Arrowhead where, you know, we're at one sixth or one seventh capacity, whatever it is. And the energy in this game, you could tell even just watching it on TV was, was low. <laughs> the energy level Lacking. was low. Yeah. The, there was uh, it was a lackluster feel in the stadium for sure. And, you know, I mean, this is the kind of game, obviously, when you're favored by 20 points or whatever, you know, you're not expecting the same level of intensity from the fans, even if the stadium had been full. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Jets, I think I think they took advantage of that a little bit, especially when they were on offense. You know, obviously, you don't have the full capacity arrowhead 140 decibel crowd coming out. So, you know, they moved the ball. They were able to convert on uh, third down and everything like that. Move, move the ball down the end, but they weren't able to punch it in the end zone. I mean, this chief's defense still has a little bit of pride, obviously, right. You know, there, there's some, there's some proud guys on this team and they weren't going to let the jets get into the end zone. So while the jets were able to move the ball, they were only able to score on field goals in the first half and they were not able to score at all in the second half. Yeah, it was uh four field goal attempts in the first half. The fourth of course was blocked. Um and I I had never heard of the kicker Sergio Castillo who had been filling in for uh Sam Ficken and he nailed a 55 yarder and a 48 yarder in that. So a uh, pretty good little opening performance or uh uh for Sergio Castillo, but that makes him by the way automatically like he's he's the number one fantasy player for the jets this year like yeah after this with, game. by a mile i mean there they had they are just absolutely they have just no one they're you know frank gore lamichael p ryan uh, and sam darnold 18 of 30 133 yards no touchdowns no picks got sacked um did nothing obviously. And uh, yeah, it was um, it was a game where the jets really focused on the chiefs ground game. I think there was a lot of um, personal vendettas that they had to make sure that Le'Veon didn't go out and torch him because that was, that was the only way they were going to come out of this game with a loss. They knew they were going to lose the game. That was guaranteed going into it. So, so they just didn't, you know, for pride factor, they just didn't want to have their guy that they just cut come in and, and cut them up. So, they stacked the box. They played very, very aggressively against the run. And after the Chiefs tried a little bit of running, um, you know, uh, Edward Solaire only had six attempts for 21 yards, and it it just wasn't really uh, wasn't really working there. Le'Veon only had six rush attempts for seven yards, so they were keying on him um, hard. But he did have a nice little 18 uh, yard reception in there, and but it was all Mahomes all day. He was he was doing everything he could possibly need to do. Yeah, the the plan was to not let Le'Veon beat them, which which is fine so far as it goes. Like you said, I mean, obviously the Jets were going to lose this game no matter what. 
There was no chance the Jets ever had to win this game or even be competitive in this game. And so you might as well give the media one less thing to talk about and shut down the guy that you just cut after giving him a huge contract a year ago and then having him torch your team. I mean, that would be be a real bad look. So instead, they decided to, uh, you know, stop the run and just let... Patrick Mahomes do whatever he wanted and take whatever he wanted. And boy, did he do a lot of taking in this game. Um, obviously, we talked about the first drive of the game culminating that pop pass to McCall Hardman. And then on the second drive of the game, Chiefs come out, pass, pass, run, pass, 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 pass. Mm. One of those was on fourth down, Taylor. The Chiefs had fourth and four from the Jets 49, so they're at midfield. And they mm. line up for a punt. And I don't know if you you were watching this live Certainly. with Trent Green's commentary. Yeah, Trent he called for it. called it. He called yeah. it. He said, this is going to be a punt unless it's a fake. And sure <laughs> enough, Tommy Townsend <laughs> drops back. He rifles an absolute rocket to Byron Pringle for 13 yards. Pierre Desir never he, – he just started running the second the ball was snapped. He never even looked back for the pass. And the Chiefs obviously had scouted this. Tommy Townsend delivered a rocket. That was mm-hmm. a – that was a great throw. It certainly mm-hmm. is. Now, I don't have a, a ranking in my head off the top of my head of like the best throws I've ever seen a punter make. This had to have been up there. I mean, Pretty good. the velocity on that ball was was sharp. Um, uh, who's the dude in with the Rams? Tommy Hecker? Johnny Hecker. Johnny, Johnny Hecker. Hecker. Johnny Hecker's got an arm. I know he's Johnny Hecker some- is a, he's a prolific passing punter for sure <laughs> he, he is but yeah that was really fun to see um i know personally i used to run a lot of fake punt pass in my early madden days because the ai was so bad that they would always always fall for it and uh so i could literally have a drive where every play was a fake punt pass completed so like that was shout out to old madden days of being horrible. so you're actually running a fake on first down on every, every play literally just you just call fake punt pass and the ai lines up in punt hmm. formation you throw the completion and then you just call it the next play and they never learn and they never defended it it was a broken play so that was it's a great it's a great so, game Madden. <laughs> yeah no it is not um i have some nuggets here from Mahomes that i wanted to uh give to the world he is this was the fourth game in chiefs franchise history where the quarterback had four touchdown passes over 20 yards which I thought was interesting. Um, The four instances are Len Dawson in 1964 against the Broncos. We have already detailed that is the the year after the gigantic uh, murdering of the Broncos in 63. Yeah, and we pretty much murdered the Broncos every year in the 60s. In the 1960s. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we did. So this one in 64 was Lenny's sixth touchdown game. And so you can tell how that game turned out. Uh, He had touchdown passes of those six of – 25 yards, 64 yards, 28 yards, and 35 yards. And then the other three times in Chiefs history, 2017 against the New York Jets. There's a little uh, Alex Smith action there. He had a 22-yarder, 36-yarder, 79-yarder to Tyreek Hill, and a 40-yarder. So Alex was cooking that game. And then the other two times in Chiefs franchise history – 2019 Patrick Mahomes versus the Las Vegas or Las I guess they were the Oakland Raiders in 2019. Yeah. Uh he had that was the fourth the second quarter where he had four touchdown passes. All of those were 27, 42, 44 and 39 yards and then this game against the Jets where he had pass touchdown passes of 30, 36, 26 and 41. So uh Patrick's done it two of the four times in Chiefs history. Uh thought that was pretty neat. He also has the sixth game in NFL history with 400 yards, five touchdown passes, no picks, and no sacks. So uh, that was uh, pretty much as clean of a game possibly as he could have there. He joins Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Deshaun Watson, Dan Fouts, and Mark Rapine with the other games like that. And then the last little Mahomes nugget I had, uh, this was going around quite a bit Um in the PR stuff, but he is the first player with 20 or more touchdown passes or an, and one or fewer interceptions through a team's first eight games. He has 21 touchdowns and one pick. So, you know, he's as dialed in as locked in as he's been in his whole career right now. And I think some people kind of forget that because some of the, you know, the defense has been better. So he hasn't really needed to go out there and drop 40 every game, but I mean, his, focus and his efficiency numbers. I mean, he's as good now as he's ever been. It's crazy. 
Yeah, and you know the the one of the major takeaways coming out of this game was not you know the Chiefs won or how they won or whatever. It was Patrick Mahomes returning to the MVP race. Now he was never really out of the MVP race. I think sure. for those of us that pay attention to things like QBR, passing BVOA, things like that, some of the more advanced metrics, uh, he's led in QBR. I think wire to wire the entire year. Um, yeah, he started the first Wilson. week out with a five touchdown performance against the yeah. Texans. So, I mean, yeah, right. he's been yeah ahead of Aaron Rodgers, ahead of Russell Wilson, but he now is second in touchdown passes and passing yards, and he's still first in QBR. He's obviously first in interception percentage because he's only thrown one in a all ton of year. attempts too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's back. I mean, he was <laughs> never he was never gone, but he's back and. He now trails Russell Wilson by, I think, five touchdowns. Russ has 26. Yeah, Russ already correct. has six picks, though, and Pat has uh-huh. one. Three you know, in one almost, game. Yeah, I, I mean, it's – it's and and one of those picks that Russ threw cost his team the game. Now, sure. I guess Mahomes' interception certainly cost them against the Raiders. It was in the only game of the year that they actually lost. So you could make that argument against him. But the point is – I mean, listen, we can't call an MVP race in early November, right? Like the year that Mahomes won. Yeah, we're halfway home. But I'm saying Mahomes, at this point, two years ago in 2018, when he did end up winning the MVP, I mean, Drew Brees was probably the MVP favorite, you know, this time two years ago. They were neck and neck. They certainly were. And this was around the time two years or last year when Lamar started to kind of pull away with it. You know, he he had those two early losses and he kind of put that behind him. And this is when the, the Ravens starting to had, kind of hit their stride point is it's neck and neck. It's too close to call. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have a presidential election result before we have the MVP result <laughs> at this point, who knows? <laughs> but who knows? Yeah. I don't want to get political. I said we wouldn't get political on this show. The point is Patrick Mahomes is back in the MVP race. The jets decided to, I mean, to be honest with you, Taylor, I feel like they were doing us a little bit of a favor, and I'll elaborate. Okay. The the Chiefs have been a, with the exception of the Baltimore game, where they were pretty aggressive down the field, in part because Baltimore made a very unwise decision to blitz a lot in that game, like they always do, and leave guys running wide open down the field and, you know, let the best quarterback in the world pick them apart. With the exception of the Baltimore game, the Chiefs have not shown a whole lot of their vertical passing game this year. They've been very content to kind of take the underneath stuff, and that's a sign of maturity from Mahomes and blah, blah, blah. The Jets were kind enough to let us put on tape, like remind (laughs) the league. Like, this is what it looks like when you... When you let us <laughs> throw the ball deep, like this, this is this is what every game would be like if you guys weren't making a deliberate effort. You know, two deep safeties, yeah. shutting down the the deep zones. This is what it would look like. And the Jets, because it, they didn't want to get beat by Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> the Jets just decided that they were going to let the Chiefs do whatever they wanted in the passing game, and. I mean, everybody ate in this game. Tyreek yeah. had a touchdown. McColl had a touchdown. Travis Kelsey had a touchdown. Just like across the board. They had three players over 96 yards receiving. Yeah. It just McCall had incredible... 96, Tyreek had 98, and Travis had 109. And they had four touchdowns between the three of them and then another 26-yard bomb to D-Rob. It was, it, it was, it was firing on all cylinders. It was great. Yeah, and, and I like that you used that phrase, firing on, on all cylinders, because we really haven't seen – the Chiefs hit their ceiling on offense very often this year. And, and not that they – I don't want to say that. They they have the number one ranked offense by DVOA. They've had that pretty much the entire year. They have, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, all these weapons. They're, they're clearly one of the best offenses in the league. But it has had a little bit of that 2019 feeling of – yeah, this is pretty good, but it's not quite what it was in 2018 when Mahomes threw for 50 touchdowns. And this was a good, encouraging game because, you know, the Chiefs went out and took what they wanted. And in fact, Patrick Mahomes said after the game, we're going to take what we want. I mean, it just was a very much a, it was an extremely disrespectful game yeah. from the Chiefs to the Jets, yeah. which, you know, I mean, how how could we expect anything different but it was a good game. This is the second game in a row that Chad Henney made it into the game in the fourth quarter. So when Chad Henney is getting uh, 
snaps in the fourth quarter and back-to-back games, you're living right. The Henny Badger, yeah. Um, I When I was going through some of these game logs with uh, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns and stuff, I did notice a performance by a particular New York Jet in the 1970s that I just, as a sidebar, have to talk to you about this game because it destroyed me when I saw it on the box score. All right, so real quick, set the stage. 1972, the New York Jets are playing the Baltimore Colts, and Joe Namath, who we all know as one of the more – uh, I guess I would say statistically overrated quarterbacks. He's got oh, the, yeah. the guarantee, but he his numbers as a career, it, it, even among his contemporaries, was not good. But this game, he threw 496 yards on 15 completions, which is an absurd, absurd yeah, conversion how, rate there. How is that even possible? Well, it's possible because he had touchdown passes of 65, 67, 79 and 80 yards. He had four wow. touchdown passes over 65 yards. Jeez. So that's 250, 60 yards just out of those four passes. And then his other 11, he managed to pile up the total to 496 yards and six touchdowns. So that was a NFL record 17.71 yards per attempt on any game over 300 yards passing. So he was absolutely just dialing up the long ball in the 70s. So I uh, I give Namath a lot of crap just colloquially because he, you know, he was never really that good. But um, saw that little gem. Thought I'd throw the Jets some love because uh, I felt bad for him. They're just they're just a pit of despair. They're so bad. They really they're- are. Yeah, it's um, it's an embarrassment, and you know, it's tough. We I ran a, a Twitter poll. We can kind of close it out with this because mm-hmm. I. I didn't think of this when we went to record last week, but I was curious and I put this up almost immediately after we finished recording the podcast. It was like, you know, we really should have talked about this. And the question that I posed, and there's different ways that I could have phrased it because people did not get it, Taylor. They did not get what I was trying to ask. But essentially, my question was this. If the Chiefs have been trying in that game for four quarters, what would that final score look like? And the correct answer, and I, (laughs) I, I spoke to a Jets fan about this. One of my paralegals is a Jets fan. The correct answer is, is it, it it starts with at least 60 points, right? Like it's at least 60 plus it could be 70 or more points, right? Like, I don't know. However you want to conceive it in your head. Like, let's say that each guy on the chiefs roster gets a million dollar bonus. If they win the game or they get a million dollars for every touchdown that they win by or whatever it is, whatever or it's you in need. the super bowl, maybe, or, yeah, like some or it's sort in the of super bowl, but even whatever. then, like you, oh, you wouldn't well, try wouldn't when you're up big, right? Like <laughs> and the jets wouldn't be there, but well, of course, but the point is this, it, wh- okay. whatever you need to do in your brain to conceive of the chiefs playing their a game for 60 minutes, Mm-hmm. Imagine that, and then take the Jets just playing their normal game, and what would the final score look like? And I think it would be like seventy to three, or seventy to it probably would be seventy to nothing. Yeah, well, let's start with the biggest point differential in NFL history, which is a nineteen forty game between Chicago and Washington that was seventy three to nothing, Chicago. So See? I would it's say possible. that's. That's the bounds of what has happened so far on an NFL field. That is by right. far, that's a 73 point differential. The next highest ever is 59. So like <laughs> that's, that's by far the biggest blowout ever. Two but touchdowns higher than second place. Than any t- yeah, exactly. Um, but it was in the forties. Football was real crude back then. <laughs> it was real crude. Uh, but you know, even there have been three, two 59 to nothing games a 58 to nothing a 57 to nothing. That's kind of the, the the starting point, the absolute starting point is what the biggest blowout has ever been. And then you've got to figure, well, even in those games, those teams couldn't have been trying for 60 minutes. I mean, they, they just, that's just not in the nature. Sure. Of the no, I so mean, like, it's not. Even in a New England blew out Tennessee 59, nothing in 2009. That's the most recent version of that. They definitely coasted with like probably, well, it was New England, so maybe like three minutes to go. But no, uh, I would say the Chiefs would be looking at some type of – I think they could threaten triple digits. I really do. I think that that would be just a- a- as close of a game that could get to 100 as there could ever be, and uh, it'd be fun. It was a good yeah, – I love that I, whole question. 
I agree. And I think uh, for any of you that answered less than 60 plus, you're wrong. Listen, yes. like it's it just maybe you didn't understand the question. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt for choosing right. that as an answer because right. that is a ridiculous that is a ridiculous answer. It's a ridiculous yeah. answer. The answer is uh, an incredible number, and <laughs> the Chiefs didn't really. I mean, they put Chad Henney in in the fourth quarter. This game was a laugher, and the Chiefs didn't really even play all that well, guys. The Jets are just that bad. I, I they. They just are that bad. And I. Yeah, 28 a quarter would be 112 for a game. I think yeah. that's a pretty good pace. They've done 28 and a quarter competitively before, two yeah. times. And I feel like that's something that um, could easily be attainable all four quarters. So I'm going to go 112 to nothing. That's my guess. I, I think that sounds completely reasonable <laughs> under the parameters that we're having this discussion. I just wanted to close this game out by saying the Jets are hilariously bad. They're one of the worst NFL teams in recent memory. Maybe ever. They have a real good chance to go 0-16. I, I just like the Chiefs needed to dominate them and they did dominate them. And that's really all you can say about this game. We've got to return since this is a little bit of a lighter game week, a, a return of one of our, our new segments, in-season segments, which is what, what is, is happening? happening? <laughs> so this is kind of just our opportunity to go around the NFL and kind of talk about what we what we notice, what's happened. I mean, you know, like the the name of the segment applies. What what is happening? What what is it? Uh, first on the list, Patriots Bills. Uh, the Patriots dropped this game to the Bills twenty one to twenty four. Cam lost a fumble. At, at, yeah, literally dropped it at the end of the game. The Patriots are two and five, <laughs> and the Bills are six and you two. You hate to see it. You you kind of well I I actually legitimately kind of I know because we know, stand Bill Belichick I know we stand Bill Belichick we do not stand Tom Brady on this <laughs> no. podcast we think no. that he's a, we'll talk about Tom Brady in a minute but I mean this is tough Bill Bill Belichick came out after this game and basically blamed the salary cap and said like <laughs> you know we're going I for it. I mean he was he was very no he was super open about it I mean he said like listen we don't have very good players because. <laughs> we don't have enough cap space because, you know, we've been kind of, we've been kind of going for it. And he stopped short of saying like, I won you motherfuckers. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, like be grateful, but that was definitely the implication of this interview. Um, This was, I mean, this division race, I feel like for the Patriots is over. I don't know if the bills are going to be the team to win the division or if the resurgent Miami dolphins maybe could make a run at it, but Four and three Dolphins and the six and two Bills. Yeah, I mean it, it's definitely uh, it's definitely not the Patriots. The Patriots are two and five. I mean they're they're toast in that division. They're going to finish third or fourth. I mean no, I think Miami is is pretty clearly ahead of them right now. Oh well, not fourth, right? <laughs> Never fourth. <laughs> yeah, just just kidding. They've already won two games, so they are yeah. mathematically eliminated from fourth place. The Jets, <laughs> the Jets are they got no chance of winning two games. Can you imagine that Jets team being able to beat an NFL team right now? Like I literally no, can't imagine no, it. Did I you see that winless teams are seven and zero against Adam Gase's Jets? <laughs> winless teams are seven and zero. That's insane. That's... Now that includes some O and O and one and or sure, and right, sure. But so I mean, geez, stuff, but they still, are but still. They he's are. only been the coach there for a year and a half. <laughs> they <to> already have <laughs> seven yeah. and O. They've never seven beaten a winless them. team. That's, that's crazy. Uh, we also had the Joe Burrow Bengals beating the Tennessee Titans thirty-one twenty. Uh, Joe looked good. I mean, that that's a that's a really big coming out party for the number one overall pick. That's something that Tennessee is a. They were in the AFC Championship game last year. They were five and one going into this game. That was a that was a big big win for Joe. Yeah, it was. And the the big story coming out of this game is that Tennessee has no pass rush and therefore no defense. I mean, the Bengals were super banged up on their offensive line, which has not been very good to begin with. But Joe Burrow, I think he might have had one pressure in this game. He took no sacks, maybe one pressure. I mean, he just cut the Titans up. Their defense, as it currently stands, just is not scary at all. I, I You know, we're kind of always having an ongoing conversation about who we consider to be the biggest threat to the Chiefs yep. in the AFC. 
you know, Pittsburgh is kind of the flavor of the month. Uh, it's not the Titans. All right. No, it's not the Titans and it's no. not the Bengals either, to be honest no. with you, but at least they showed. Could be someday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they showed that they're frisky. They've, they've got a quarterback hmm. and that makes them dangerous. We also had in the NFC, we, we got a string of NFC games here that I kind of want to talk about because I, I mean, obviously we, we don't have to worry about any of these NFC teams until we hit the Super Bowl. But the NFC is wide open, and I have no idea which teams in the NFC are actually good. Yeah, I, I mean, there are some good teams, but I don't know who the best team in the NFC is. Green Bay is sort of the topic of discussion here. They traveled or they played min, uh, Minnesota, and Minnesota just Dalvin Cook absolutely torched this Packers defense. I mean, all the all the Vikings did in this game was run the ball with Dalvin Cook, and he scored all of their points, four touchdowns, three yeah. rushing, one through the air, and Minnesota upsets Green Bay 28-22. Suddenly, Green Bay has a couple of pretty bad losses on their resume. I mean, not just in the win-loss column, where it obviously does hurt them, but like the games that they've lost, they got blown out. They got by the Buccaneers. They were not competitive in that game. And now, while the final score in this game was only six points, like that run defense, I'm speechless. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, for a team run by Aaron Rodgers, um, I guess their depth issues are are showing for sure. They had Devontae Adams in this game, but they didn't have him for some games earlier in the year. And um, now they've got, you know, Aaron Jones was out then, and he's now. He's out, I think, again this week. I mean, they, they're they struggling for sure. Um, th- it's really interesting because they're the type of team that, like, if I saw them in the Super Bowl, I would be like, okay. Like, like I, I don't feel like I would be that scared of them, which is crazy because it's Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sure they would still be a very tough opponent. But, yeah, um, uh, Green Bay is not really a team that is is doing much for me right now. I was uh, I was surprised to see Minnesota – be able to do that. They they feel like it feels like they always wilt against Green Bay. Like a big game comes up and yeah, they already and... wilted once this year against Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was that second NFC game you want to talk about? Seattle San Fran. It was, and the third one was Tampa Giants. I, yeah. I just want to talk these. This is kind of we're hitting kind of the the who's who of kind of the top contenders in the NFC. It obviously is none of the teams from the NFC East. So really, you're looking at the Packers in the north the uh, Seahawks out West and the Bucks in the South and Mm -hmm. Seattle played San Francisco this week. San Francisco was extremely banged up. They're even more banged up. They're going into Thursday night football tomorrow with literally like half the rosters on the COVID exempt list. I I don't know. Or hurt or hurt or hurt. I don't know how they're going to play that game, but yeah, Seattle came out in this game. Russ had another great performance. Uh, came out, beat San Francisco pretty handily. They did kind of climb back into it in the second half to make the score at least a little bit respectable looking. I mean, it's still a double-digit loss, 10 points. This is this is Seattle team is, to me, I mean, the, the perfect comparison is the 2018 Chiefs. 100%. Because the Seattle offense, now that they're letting Russell Wilson pass the ball, is very good. They finally, after years, have kind of shored up a pretty good offensive line. They have good skill players. Obviously, DK is a monster. But the the takeaway from this game, for me, is uh, the Seahawks, they're the 2018 Chiefs. That was long before we started this podcast. But a conversation that you and I had many times that year was, could the Chiefs win the Super Bowl with that 2018 defense? And the answer, of course, is that they could have. They almost yeah, they did. Almost they did. Were, yeah. They were one penalty away, thanks, D, from going to the Super Bowl where they would have probably clowned the Rams. Clowned the Rams, if we're being honest. The fact that they didn't win the Super Bowl doesn't mean they, they couldn't have done it. And I think Seattle's Seattle's defense is bad. They added Carlos Dunlap. They're they're making some improvements there. But their offense might be good enough to carry them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean they Russ is playing he is playing the best or second best depending on your flavor quarterback in the NFL. And anytime you have that and you have weapons, which Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are as 
good of a wide receiver duo. I don't give a shit what people say about Russ. Uh, if Russ had Patrick Mahomes' weapons, dude, he, their wide receivers are insane. Yeah, they but, are insane. And they're but that being said, they're perfect for him. He drops those big balls in the bucket. The big balls, uh, <laughs> and and they so they have the offensive firepower, and they have because their defense is so poor, they're going to be putting up numbers all year long. I mean, that's that's exactly what the the formula was for the 2018 Chiefs is that you have the best quarterback in the game, a ton of weapons, and no defense, and that just means every game is going to be a shootout. He's going to put up 26 touchdowns in the first eight games of the year and but at the end of the day when push comes to shove if you're matching that team up with another team that's really good deep in the playoffs the way the 2018 Patriots were or the way that whoever this 2020 Seattle team is going to run into in the playoffs they're gonna have matchup problems and they're gonna have teams that the offense isn't going to be able to just move the ball on on the other team and their defense is going to still give up stuff I mean it's I feel bad for him because I see what's going to happen to him because we've lived through it. You know, like I, I feel yeah. the, the camaraderie yeah, with them. Right. Like, Oh man, you guys haven't seen this coming yet that your quarterback's probably maybe going to win MVP and you're, you're going to think, okay, here's our chance. And then something's going to happen. Your defense is going to blow it at the end. And Patrick Mahomes is going to walk away with the Super Bowl, And you're going to be like, damn, we almost had it this year. But I, I just, that's just kind of how I see it playing out. I think they're a really good team that they'll probably be a giant pain in the ass in the playoffs, but I don't think they'll make it all the way. Yeah, I, it would be hard to say that they are definitively the best team in the NFC, but the other contender and the number one consensus team in DVOA right now is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who frankly yeah. should have lost to a very, very bad Giants team. Uh, this yep. was the Monday night football game. It shouldn't have been close, but it came down to the last play of the game, a two-point conversion attempt after what you know could have been a game-tying touchdown. The Giants are down two points, 25 to 23, and Danny Dimes finds his man in the end zone, and the refs throw the flag for pass interference, and then they huddle and they pick it up. Mm. They huddled and they were like, wait a minute, does Tom Brady win this game if we call this? Because yeah, we probably need to figure out whatever it does. Yeah, it it sucked. Um, Jones missed a ton of open, oh, deep, deep throws in this game. Like tons of them. I mean, they would have, if that was a competent quarterback there instead of one of the bottom three or four quarterbacks in the NFL, and that might be generous to Daniel Dimes. Danny, Daniel Dimes. <laughs> uh, they, they just, they would have blown Tampa Bay out if they had a competent quarterback, but they didn't, they had Danny Dimes. So yeah, that was, uh, it was, it was kind of like, it was disappointing because the final score still gave the Bucks a win, but it was a huge relief for my worries that the Bucks were like this super team. Like they're, if they struggled with that Giants team, I, I'm not worried about them at all. Uh, we'll see how they look now that Antonio Brown's in the fold. We'll see if he, you know, what he, what kind of sanity level he brings to this or whatever. But um, I had been pretty concerned about Tampa Bay these last couple of weeks. They, when they ran the Packers off the field, I was like, okay, we got to, we got to pay attention to them. But um, no, until I see them put it together again, uh, I'm not super worried about them. The only other NFC team I'm still kind of curious about is the saints. They haven't really been super healthy. They haven't had Michael Thomas all year. Uh, they're still five and two, despite that. They've still got Drew Brees, who, although he's over the hill, he can still make it happen. I do think that the Saints could present some troubles, and they have a pretty damn good defense, or at least a lot of talent on that side of the ball. So I'm still, I'm still kind of cautiously uh, waiting to see how their season plays out. Yeah, same. Let's pop back to the the AFC here, and the game of the week, uh, or at least what was being billed as the game of the week, was an AFC North showdown between the undefeated. Pittsburgh Steelers and the one loss Baltimore Ravens. And this game went to Pittsburgh 28 to 24. It also came down to a essentially the final plays of the game. And the Ravens had a fourth down that they needed to convert to keep the game, to keep the game going and to have a chance at scoring the go ahead touchdown. And Lamar Jackson ran the ball. And the Steelers knew that he was going to run and they stuck it and they won the game. This was a 
this was a tough loss for Baltimore because Baltimore was coming off of a bye. Pittsburgh's basically, I mean, Pittsburgh basically got screwed out of a bye um, with the whole COVID situation that was going on with the Titans a few weeks ago. And so, you know, they've already had their bye. The Ravens had extra time to prepare for this game. It's a division opponent. You know, like they, they had a lot of incumbent advantages in this matter and they, they did not take advantage. Lamar Jackson was terrible in this game. Yeah, he was. And that's kind of become the pattern for him, at least specifically in big games. Um, You know, he can run all over these crappy NFL teams all he wants, but against Pittsburgh and Kansas City and in playoff games, he's been awful. And this game started out, uh, the Steelers had a pick six early on, first score with a minute into the game, and it was 7-0 Pittsburgh. But then Baltimore went into the half up 17-7. So they didn't give up a offensive touchdown to Pittsburgh, who has a pretty good offense, and they had a 10-point lead going into the second half. When you have an MVP quarterback and you're playing a giant division game against an undefeated team like the Steelers, when all of that's on the line, like you can't blow a 10-point halftime lead. You just can't. And 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 with a running team like, like uh, Baltimore that should have been able to shore up you know, bleed the clock out. They shouldn't have given up 21 second half points to uh, Pittsburgh, but of course they did. And like you said, when with the game on the line, last minute, Lamar with the ball, I don't think anybody in there expected Lamar to get that done. I just don't think that's something that he's shown being capable of doing yet, which is his next step. That is kind of the the thing he's missing is kind of that quarterback it factor that, yep. yeah, sure. He's, yep. he's very dynamic and dangerous and all that stuff. And his highlight reels are as good as they get, but like, man, that dude just hasn't shown up when a quarterback needs to show up. And it's, it's going to get to the point where, you know, they're probably going to make the playoffs. It's a seven team AFC field and they're five and two. I mean, they're, they're in good shape to do that far, but man, if this guy doesn't like make the AFC championship game, People are going to start talking about like what does Baltimore do with Lamar Jackson? Do they extend him? Do they? I mean, it's it's a very interesting situation for a guy that just won unanimous MVP last year. Yeah, and they also lost their left tackle Ronnie Stanley in this game like, a day after he signed a one hundred million dollar extension. Yeah. I, I mean, that was a big loss for them, and you know they're they're in a tough spot because obviously they had a lot of advantages going the, into this game in terms of uh, rest and game prep and everything like that and now with two losses i mean they have to take to have any chance at their own division they have to take the rematch with the steelers and then they have to basically they would have to lose one one fewer game not counting that showdown with pittsburgh the the rematch mm-hmm. and pittsburgh would have to drop a game and then and it we'd have go, to have the tiebreaker in yep, their division exactly. stuff. So, yep, I mean, they, yep. they're cooked. Yeah, it's going to be really tough for them to find a path to the one seed. Uh, the Chiefs, on the other hand, with respect to the Steelers, I mean, if the, the Steelers drop a couple of games, the Chiefs are going to be in good shape. The Steelers' remaining schedule, I mean, the, the tough teams on the schedule are all AFC teams. They have to play Buffalo. They have to play, obviously, the Ravens again. Uh, they have to mm-hmm. play the Colts. You know, all of their remaining most difficult games are in the AFC, which is great for the Chiefs because the tiebreaker that's probably going to come into play here is going to be either common opponents or conference record. And in terms of common opponents, both the Chiefs and the uh, Steelers are undefeated against their common opponents. The Chiefs still, the only common opponent that the Chiefs still have to play, though, is the Broncos. So in order for the Chiefs to sweep all of their common opponents with the Steelers, they just need to beat the Broncos. Whereas the Steelers have to beat the Ravens again and the mm-hmm. Bills in order mm-hmm. to, to have a better common opponent record than the Chiefs have with the Steelers. So that'll, that'll be tough. And then again, with the AFC record, uh, the Chiefs' toughest remaining games are NFC games. I mean, it's at Saints, at Bucks. Those are the the two that stick out as possible, you know, tough games for the chiefs. Again, Man, all else, of the toughest games tough is left. Well, right. I exactly. I mean, that's at Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. I mean, that's it. I, I mean, dolphins, maybe. I mean, yeah, they're, maybe, they're looking maybe, risky. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Like I, yeah. Maybe. I, it's hard to say, but the, the point is the chiefs are in good shape as long as they can kind of, you know, if, if they drop one game to either the saints or, the Bucks. I mean, I'd put good money on Pittsburgh dropping two games before the end of the year. I, I, I would be stunned if 
They've skated they managed by to go some... fifteen and one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're undefeated, but they have certainly had some close calls. the The style of game that they play, the way that they win games in the NFL in twenty twenty, doesn't feel super sustainable to me. I, I mean, having a great defense, we've gotten to the point where having great defense is almost like a gimmick, a little bit, right? Because yeah, it's really hard to feel the great defense in the NFL in twenty twenty. And so, like, that's like the Steelers' shtick, you know, like, hey, our defense is really good. Yeah, you know, our quarterback we'll is... along that last. Yeah, you know, yeah, our quarterback is old and can't really throw that well anymore. But this is our identity. This is what we want to do. It's it's be good at defense. And I, I, just don't, I just don't see that type of team being a team that goes, you know, 15 and 1, 14 and 2. So... Uh, we should briefly give an honorable mention, a shout out to the the two AFC West teams that played each other this week, the Chargers course. and the Broncos. And <sighs> the Chargers were in total control of this game. They had a twenty-four 16, to three. Yeah, they had a twenty-four to three lead. They had a, a twenty-one point lead in this game. The Broncos had absolutely nothing going on offense until Philip Lindsay broke one and scored a pretty long touchdown. And then after that, Drew Locke, to his credit, you, you, you guys know how I feel about Drew Locke. And still do, by the way. He sucks. He's not good. But Drew Locke came and rallied the Broncos back to beat the Chargers. The Chargers became the first team in NFL history to blow a 16-point lead in four straight games. It's almost impossible. Oh, like, I wonder how many teams have done that in three straight games. Because right. that list can't be very long either. And the list of four straight games is one team. It's the 2020 Chargers. They did win one of those games after they blew the huge lead. But my goodness, man, what are you guys doing? They are They're just charging. That's what they're doing. That's what they... Their DNA is just cursed, and I obviously don't really believe that, but the way that they play football is just – it's preposterous. And they uh, they still, to me, if I were to power rank the AFC West, I still put the Chargers second behind the Chiefs. And even though yeah. they this game, they – they're still the most, and I guess quarterback has a lot to do with that. I still think Justin Herbert's the second best quarterback in the AFC West. So I still would say that the Chargers overall would go there. But boy, these three teams combined. I mean, the the rate or the Raiders completely shit the bed in Cleveland. They won, but they won 16 to 6. They didn't do anything there. They they didn't have any offense against a pretty bad Cleveland team right now. And uh they just these teams just don't have it, man. They just don't. I wish there was more juice in the AFC West a little bit. I mean, although I do love dominating it. But, man, like, get some talent. Uh, so we also do have a really interesting uh, mailbag question that came to us on our Discord server. Uh, we say this every week, but if you guys would like to interact with us on Discord, it's a nice free little uh, little app that you can download either on your computer or on your phone. And if you DM me on Twitter at Taylor underscore wit, I will shoot you an invite to our discord server. It's fun. We've got over 50 people now and we just, you know, just talk about the chiefs all day. No big deal. Um, but Casey sort who has been a longtime follower of ours. He is of course a bird of work. And uh, he asked, let's say you could take the best 15 Chiefs players of all time who had never won a Super Bowl, so that fortunately for us discredits everyone on the current roster almost, uh, and pair them up with a with fully average replace, replacement players for the other positions. Could that team of fifteen superstars and and the rest average could they beat the current Chiefs? So interesting proposition. It's fascinating. It's, yeah, it's like a it's like a three quarter all star, one quarter average team against the current team. Um, I think the matchup just on on principle is probably pretty fair because I think that the current team is loaded. Obviously, they are loaded, and you would need some type of um, superstar roster on the other end to have a really good game against them, as we've seen. So I went through and I just picked out my fifteen former Chiefs that don't have a ring, and I'm just gonna kind of. Hit them real quick with the position that they sure. would play. We won't really spend too much time on each one of these guys, but um, I've got – I'll start in the secondary. 
where my safeties, uh, free safety is Duran Cherry, who was a complete baller, and I'm sad that he never got a ring. And the strong safety would be Eric Berry. And Berry you know, and I'm, Cherry. Berry and Cherry. That'd be a really fun safety field. And they Cherry Berry Blast. <laughs> exactly. And they were obviously both great. Um, my I did pick one cornerback of the two starting outside cornerbacks, and that would be our boy 2-2 Marcus Peters. I think he is still one of the – Better Chiefs to ever suit him up at cornerback, despite all of his antics. Eh, really, not that many antics anyway. I liked him a lot. You know, you know. Um, I picked three linebackers out. I picked both of our Derricks, both Derek Johnson and DT Derek Thomas. They would be um, a whole hilariously hard to do anything against in the middle of that field. And then I did also have a middle linebacker. I, I like Donnie Edwards a lot. I was a kid and he was super fun and one of our better linebackers of all time. So that our three linebackers are Donnie Edwards, Derek Johnson and Derek Thomas. And then a fourth linebacker there would be a average, um, average player on the D line. I only came up with one name and there are some options. There was um, some Will Shields consideration there and stuff, but I just wanted a guy like Jared Allen, who was extremely good at rushing the quarterback, um, was a lot of fun. And this, part of these are just my favorite Chiefs. But uh, Jared Allen was at his peak was amazing. So I have him on the D end. And then the other defensive line guys I have is average, which might be a hard matchup for that team going up against the Chiefs because you need a lot of pressure there to get to Mahomes. But yeah. we'll, uh, we'll talk about the matchup in a little bit because um, that was all I could afford to pick on defense because on offense, I've got the three offensive line juggernauts from that early 2000s mm. team, which is, of course, Shields, Waters, and Rofe. Um, You've got both guard positions and the left tackle as three of the absolute Hall of Fame all-time caliber linemen e- individually, and then you had them all in the same line. So, I mean, they um, – you know, that would be a extremely tough matchup for Frank and Chris and all those guys to go up against. The quarterback was interesting pick because it basically came down to Alex Smith or Rich Gannon and or Trent Green. I believe no Trent Green won one with the Rams as a backup with his knee blown out. So it was yep. yeah, it was That's Alex true. Smith. Basically, it came down. It was Alex Smith. There there really wasn't any. Joe Montana obviously has all of his rings. Um, Patrick obviously has his ring. That's <laughs> uh, right, and Len Dawson. So and Len Dawson does. So I mean, really, Alex is took the two best quarterbacks in franchise history off the board. The two, yeah, ranks, so. exactly. And it wouldn't be Gerback. It wouldn't be Castle. It wouldn't be any of those idiots. So, anyways, I like Alex. I like him a lot. I think he serves well. I think he's an above average quarterback. Maybe not by a lot. And if you, but you can't put an average player at quarterback. You just can't do it. So. Got Alex, and then the highlights of the team are, of course, the skill position players. I have Jamal Charles, Tony Gonzalez, Dwayne Bowe, and Stephon Page. So they could put up points, obviously, with the best of them, that that offense with the line and with those players. I mean – Yeah, just Jamal and that offensive line. Just Jamal and that offensive yeah. line. How could anyone do anything against that? And then you've got Tony G. And, Crazy. And, yeah. So – uh, so that was my matchup. I've got average players at the second cornerback, the second outside linebacker, the – defensive end, defensive tackle, right tackle center, and third wide receiver. So there's my matchup, Austin. What do you think about uh, who would win lining those guys up against the 2020 Chiefs? Well, the the problem with all these hypothetical matchups, whenever you have Patrick Mahomes versus not Patrick Mahomes, yep. is that there is a big disparity at quarterback. Love yep. Alex. Yep. But he was a guy that we traded away with uh, money left on his deal because we had unproven rookie <laughs> Patrick Mahomes waiting in the wings. And that obviously would be would be the big difference. Um, there certainly are some players from this current Chiefs team that are ineligible because they have rings. And, and the thing is, we've talked about this before, but this current Chiefs roster – has a lot of guys on it that are going to end up among yeah. the best players in franchise history. Yep. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, arguably could establish himself as the greatest tight end in Chiefs history if he keeps playing the he's way the that he's been playing. Yep. Yep. And he, he's got the start and he's got a ring, which is something that Tony Gonzalez, not that it was Tony Gonzalez's fault. <laughs> I mean, you know, Narrative, tight end baby. with no rings, who could be good? You know, like, come yeah, on, right. tight end. Right. What's what's he supposed to do except uh, have the third most receptions in NFL history? 
you know, he's <laughs> he's good, man. Tony Gonzalez is great. Jamal is great. That offensive line would be great. I think the offensive line would really be a mismatch for even the 2020 Chiefs pretty formidable defensive front. Dude, that off- that offensive line would be a mismatch against I, any defensive it, front it, ever. It just, is, it just is so it's just so crazy. There's just so much there's just so much beef on that line. Yeah. Uh, I would have to take the current 2020 Chiefs just because of Patrick Mahomes. I think the the playmakers, you could make an argument. The offensive skill players, you know, for the all-time ringless Kansas City Chiefs team are, you know, maybe maybe better. Um, but this would be a quarterback battle, and Patrick Mahomes, I think, would, would carry the day. I, w- I would kill to see... Patrick Mahomes, you know, lining up across from DT and yeah. Jared Eric Allen Barry. and Derek Johnson, Eric Berry. Yeah. It, it, it'd be incredible. We'll yeah. never see it, but it would be it would be a sight to behold. I like the list though. It's a really interesting question from Casey Sorterica, and we we appreciate the ones that kind of force us to think outside our box a little bit. Mm-hmm. Agreed with that. Well, Taylor, we're to the final segment in our show, which is our game preview edition. This week, the Chiefs are playing the Carolina Panthers, which, let's be honest, it's not the Jets, certainly not in terms of, of quality, no. but just in terms of the, the name value of this opponent and kind of what they the, present to us, the challenges they present to us, uh, uh, it's not the Jets. <laughs> okay, I, uh, Carolina is currently 16th in DDOA which frankly is way higher than I thought they would have been coming into yeah. the year. I mean, Same. kudos to Matt Rule has done a great job building that program in year one. But if you break that 16 uh, DVOA ranking down by its component parts, the Panthers are 12th in offense. Obviously, the Chiefs are first. The Panthers are 25th in defense. The Chiefs are Yikes. 13th, by the way. And they're 17th on special teams. The Chiefs, <laughs> after a couple of hot weeks, have gone from 32nd to 23rd, which is actually pretty, you know, we've, we've moved up nine spots. We're moving in the right direction. We're moving on up. But this is a, this is a Panthers team that's going to be getting back Christian McCaffrey, their star running back. This is a Panthers team that clearly has bought into whatever Matt Rule is selling because they're, they're frisky and they're fun. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about this matchup? Taylor? I'm super interested. Uh, they played with the Bucks in Week Two for a little bit before the Bucks pushed them away at the end. They beat the Arizona Cardinals. They um, lost by three to the Saints. They're, they're. I think Frisky is a good way of putting it. They are not an easy out, and they're probably not a super tough matchup. But they're definitely not going to be a team that the Chiefs are just going to roll through. Now the Chiefs could roll through any team in the NFL on any given day. So that's of course, that that's, that, that's cer- that certainly could happen. However, looking at the matchup and looking at, you know, Christian McCaffrey is certainly going to be motivated to go out there and show everybody that he's still the best running back in football and there's I don't mind Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think he's that good, but he's also really not that bad. He's probably a middle of the road guy. Um, they've got some, some fun weapons that between DJ Moore and, and Curtis Samuel and some guys that can, can burn you, can get behind you and definitely make you pay for a, a defensive mistake. Uh, I, I like the matchup just because I think this is the type of team that I want to see the chiefs face, which is not a bottom feeder and not a top tier team, just kind of a middle of the road, does some stuff. Nice. See how the Chiefs match up with them. They're in Arrowhead, so um, they'll be familiar with all their environment and stuff. It's a, a noon game. There's really nothing, nothing too special about it. It's just kind of a middle of the road NFL game, and it'll be. Um, it it should be another victory because every team, every time the Chiefs line up, it should be a victory, like on paper. Um, so I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm going to say the Chiefs get 30 again, probably 31, but probably 31 20. I don't, oh, 31 20 has come up a couple times, but uh, I, it's I, oh, 34 20, I guess, was the, was the couple, was the Texans game. But any, either way, 31 20. That's what I'm going to say. We got to, we got to point out here. I just wanted to, to catch, well, we obviously were recording this on a Wednesday. Legereus Sneed back at practice for the Chiefs, which, yeah. honestly, we went from like zero to 60 with Legereus Sneed news. It was, yeah. always, he's back at practice and they're, they're reinstating him off the IR and he's practicing fully. I mean, 
he was having a very good year before he went down with the injury. And it'll be great to see if he can kind of pick up where he left off, put some quality tape out there and, and help the chiefs win. Uh, In terms of COVID, everything's quiet on the chiefs Panthers front. Things blew up today, Taylor. I don't know if you you saw this between the 49ers and the Packers. Yeah. We're scheduled to play on Thursday night football. Boy, uh, I thought it was it, in jeopardy. Yeah, it, it it is. I mean, but the last I heard was that they were planning to go forward with the game, which is crazy because the the Niners literally like don't have enough players to play. Like every <laughs> right. every skill player on their offense, I think I read just uh before we pressed record on this episode that they have like literally one wide receiver on the active roster who, who could suit up, which like, you know, Kyle Shanahan could make it work, but man, they have uh, no players active that were, that touched the football in the NFC championship game last year, last playoffs. It's crazy. Like the Yeah. It's wild. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's not like they're, it's not like they've turned their roster over. It's just, no, it literally is. It literally is COVID. So thank goodness that we are not in that situation with the Packers and the Niners, just uh, the Chiefs should have everyone pretty much healthy. Everybody of note, we're expecting this game to be played. We're expecting it to be played on time. And of course, we're expecting the Chiefs to win. So your official prediction, Taylor, let's get it one more 20. time. 31-20. 31 20. 20 good guys. I'm going to guess. I'm not going to guess. I'm going to predict <laughs> with the power of rational thought and science. I'm going to say the Chiefs win this one 36 to 16. We will see you next week.